Lord's Day again. We're doing it again on the Lord's Day. <sighs> it's Sunday, Bible buds. It feels good to do it on the Lord's Day. It really does for me. I don't know. It's just like it makes it makes sense. It's nice. I I mean I think that's the goal. If we can like keep it consistent, where we do get to actually do it on Sundays, I'm sure yeah. we'll hit some hiccups within that. But I I but love that we're releasing on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, you know what, it's no longer the Lord's Day, it's Bud's Day. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Bible Bud's Day. It's the Bible Bud's Day. This is, yeah, there ain't, no, there ain't no Lord here, really, and in this room. Yeah, we, uh, we're cruising. Yeah. Cruising into episode three, finding our feet, our, our feet, we're finding the footing of our feet, mm-hmm. trying to walk the path of mm-hmm. a, a very palatable podcast here for you. Yeah. Hey, speaking of finding footing on the feet, I saw... Uh, I think it was a show I was watching. There's some, there was a weird little like philosophical parable that was like, your foot cannot feel itself until it touches the ground. And at first I was like, dumb, dumb, dumb. And then I thought about it for a little bit and I was like, oh, it's actually kind of deep. And then I, I was kind of stoned and I put my foot out. Wasn't wearing shoes. I just like was sitting on a chair and I just put my foot out to float in the air. And I was like, I can't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't feel anything until it touches the ground. Um, I don't know what they were trying to really say with that, but you just made me remember that. Well, they also say it's very important for us to have bare feet on the ground, or like in the grass, or connect, in the sand. That it'll connect to it's not uh, a feeling to that, Gaia that people have very often. It's true in their everyday life. In my goddamn boots or Birkenstocks. Yes, yeah. especially after you're, a, you know, when you're not a child, and it's not acceptable for you to be running around with no shoes on. Sure, you want. Sure, it is a little weird to see a grown man just like. Doing the barefoot thing. I don't know. Even like at a park. It's just like a little. You're still still a little bit like, hey, man. No but shoes? Yeah, I guess I would prefer. I would like people to stop wearing sandals. I think. You wear sandals. I wear Birkenstocks. Mm-hmm. Those are not sandals. Oh, are they not? Those are Birkenstocks. <laughs> Those are slides? <laughs> I'm talking about, you know. Like thong. Thongity thong thong fucking flip-flops. flip-flops. I think it's time. What's at the issue? 2020. Yeah, you just—they just don't look good on anyone. Yeah. Anyways, I don't really want to <laughs> talk about flip flops. I think the one person that maybe they did look good on was Jesus, and that's why it's like, just everyone just stop. That's because Jesus didn't care what everybody else thought Jesus about. Jesus was it. probably barefoot as fuck this whole time. This whole time. I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, assumption. Yeah. That he was cruising. Dude around. was tapped into some shit. He was definitely barefoot. Yeah. You can't walk on water with flip-flops, dude. No. No way. Okay. The powers don't work that way. <laughs> um, did you have anything Anything this last week? Uh, you know, notes on previous episode, anything that we read last week that you uh, connected to your life this week? Um, I can't remember. Not so much. I didn't have time to, to do the, the dive in to the episode that we recorded necessarily this sure. time around. Um. But uh, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, for sure. I feel like my notes are a little more. You got a lot to say. Detailed this time. So I'm Daniel. Stuck, Daniel stuck here just got that. off of a, a flight. Yeah. Uh, where he was reading the Bible <laughs> and probably wondering very furiously and curiously, what the fuck are people thinking of me right now? Yeah, especially like the dude that's wearing the hockey sweater with the dude smoking a joint. Yeah, um, that's you are wearing not that. Not like right the now. most I don't know. 
I don't think I look like a degenerate necessarily, but maybe not the dude you think you would do be look carrying around. Like a dude who's flying home to Portland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um but yeah, dude, I just I just locked in like a, a three hour session on the plane, you know, going through the Bible nice. and just tucked away on my window seat and uh just, you know, flipping through pages. Yeah. It was funny. Well, I, I had decided a, to hear your Hear your thoughts in your notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. What What did uh, your week? Yeah. Well, so I just wanted to s- talk about for a brief moment. Um, I went to this funeral yesterday for this coworker who passed, and he's a really, really good dude. Really like positive dude. He's kind of the kind of dude who like. You can't really not, you can't knock him. You can't not like him. The only thing that maybe you could not like about him is that he's so positive. And if you're fucking a little bit salty, then he's going to rub you the wrong way. Cause he's just so positive and he just believes in everybody and he just wants the best for everyone. And like, sometimes if you're having a bad day, you're like, yo, Rick, uh, uh-uh. anyway, all I have today. to say, this guy was a genuinely really good dude. Uh, he was a Christian guy. Um, who you know talking about like being the salt of the earth or being the city on the hill like this dude legitimately lived that his entire adult life really was like in service to others helping other people in any way that he could and from a really genuine place of you know like we talked about in episode one not trying to be seen helping like he is he was doing it because he loved the fuck out of other people he's a really genuine good dude and the funeral was very moving because this guy lived a really, you know, I think a life that a lot of people would be like, that a lot of people are aspiring to, you know? Um, and he was, he had a lot of Jesus Christ-like qualities. Like, one thing that I could say about him for sure is like, I think a lot of people went to him, uh, both in my company. He also was a, a life coach, or it's like, he, I think he called it more of like a dream coach. But um, yeah, a lot of people went to him to try to figure out how to be better. Um, and especially they would look at him and be like, I want to be more like you. And he would always just be like, you're great just the way you are. And f- he really fucking meant that, you know? And so he's like, he's a powerful, powerful spiritual dude. Um, but I gotta say, and the, and the service was really beautiful and was, was very inspirational for me, honestly, being like, you know, maybe I, yeah, I should really pay more attention to like the relationships in my life that I really care about. And like, uh, you know, I, I do what I can to help people, but like may- maybe I need to get more involved in some kind of organization, volunteering, something a little more regular where I'm helping people um, so that I can build this kind of life of service that I think, uh, yeah, I think is important. And um, there's a lot of personal benefit from that as well. Um, but I have to say, I mean, the, so, so the service was at a church and, uh, you know, they talked about Rick's love for Jesus quite a bit. Um, but also mostly was focused on just like what a fucking good dude this was. I mean, this guy's adult son got up and gave a eulogy that was just like it was it was super well written, but it was like this guy really does feel that he had the best dad in the that world. W- that would be you breaking down the technicality of the writing for the for the it eulogy. It was super well written. It was like it was real. Well it was written. very well written. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, it's nothing as it's a nightmare to be in a super hyper tense situation like a funeral and someone's up there just bombing (laughs) (laughs) it's so (laughs) rough because it's hard to everyone is on your side everyone wants you to do good so if you're bombing then it's like yo you're really fucking up 
bad right now. <laughs> no, this guy was great. And, and I could just tell from his eulogy that he really genuinely felt like he had the best dad in the world because his dad was a really fucking awesome dude. Anyways, at the end of the funeral, though, there were so many different pastors that kept getting up and I was like, how many churches did this guy go to? Um, and at the end of the funeral, one of the pastors start, you know, he drops a line of like, we're about to go into prayer here. And you know, Rick's, uh, the greatest love in Rick's life was Jesus. And if God has been pulling on your heartstrings today during this service, and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Are you going to turn this man's funeral into a moment to fucking evangelize a bunch of non-believers? fuck you and they tried to say like this is what rick wanted this is what rick wanted and i was like i don't fucking think that he did i don't think that's that what he, he did because his, uh... rick's whole thing i really think that they were full of shit because rick's whole thing was like you don't tell people you just do it like he was a i think he, he was got a, it he was a, a christian who really got it he just lived his life in a really beautiful purposeful way and if people were curious about where that was coming from, then maybe he would talk about Jesus. But he did not say, and at the end of my funeral, do a fucking summer camp prayer where anyone who wants to accept the Lord and Savior Jesus into their heart, I shit you not, this is how the at service ended. Funeral? At this funeral? That's how the service ended. And I was like, man, fuck all you guys. Fuck all you guys. Because you know what? I did feel God tugging on my heartstrings during that service. And then the way that they spin that around, though, was just like it felt so gross and so inauthentic. And I was just like, you just lost me. I mean, I wouldn't have come back. I wouldn't. I was not going to start going to church again. But it's like you just you just saltied my moment that I had with God um, that was really beautiful in honoring this awesome man's life. You just kind of took a dump right on it. By trying Dude. to belittle me and be like, but accept Jesus into your heart. It's like, yo, this is not, we're not in high school. This isn't summer camp. What are you doing? Let alone, this is not the place no, where you're trying to get place. new members of the church. No, it's not. It's you're not. Trying to, that's, that is. Uh, I didn't like it. Dude. I didn't like And I was like, this is a fucking, this is a major, major issue. Um, and I was like, you guys, you guys missed it. You guys missed it. So like. So by so much, um, this man who actually lived a purposeful, what I would say, even like a holy life, a life of service and love, a genuinely incredible human being. I didn't know him that well, but I worked with him for five years and he's like, yeah, he's one of the one of the most amazing people that I've met. The only reason I went to his funeral, because, again, I didn't know him that well, I felt like I had to go because um yeah i mean i've known him for a while but i also was just like i gotta see what this guy's funeral is gonna be like because he really was like such a dope dude yeah pay your respects you know? i just want to pay my respects to a Get life to so well what lived. his life was yeah like i got to learn a little more office. yeah and i was blown away to be like oh he was even he did way even like so much more than i even thought i knew that he was serving others but his entire every moment he was serving other people so for them to in the face of that to then co-opt it into it just Dude, was, it was gross it was to gross. take advantage of people in while they're in a moment of grief vulnerable like that yeah to turn no, it into it that was not cool is extremely gnarly and that's i mean these are the things that push folks out for when sure. they start to see 
and you know things what? like that. It's it's uh it's like you said, you probably weren't ever gonna go to service there again. But you're definitely not going back or recommending that this is a nice church for somebody else to check out no. after something like that. But also, I will say, I mean, that's my gut feeling. It's speculative. Uh, it's possible that Rick, in his dying moments, you know, he had a couple weeks where he was on hospice where he was basically planning his own funeral service and who he wanted to speak and who, whatever. It's possible that Rick did say at the end, I want you, I want a call to action. I, it's possible. Because he was a very firm believer, and I think in a lot of ways he got it, but he is a part of, you know, this evangelical Christian movement. And so at the end of the day, the most important thing that you do after you figure out your relationship with Jesus is you tell other people to do it. And so, yeah, and that kind of comes, brings this kind of weird contradiction of like, yeah, I don't think that makes Rick a shitty person by any means. It just shows this weird, like, how complicated it can be someone's personal relationship with God and religion where it's like in so many ways, Rick fucking got it like more than 99.99% of believing Christians. He got it. He was, he was walking on the narrow path. He was doing it. Yeah, his kingdom on. Yeah. So a lot of Jesus's message, he really understood, took to heart, integrated. But then there's also this weird, piece of how it's been co-opted and his identity is wrapped up in that and so he was like well i still want the most meaningful thing i could do with my life is to turn others towards jesus and so that's what i'm gonna end my service with it's possible that that's that is what he wanted that just seems like a character of like church Uh, like i know that's very much on just a parody of something you would see like during a parody video of someone's funeral and then jumping into this advertisement I agree. for the congregation is I agree. unreal dude i i would be if i was part of the family i would lose my shit i could tell he had one son who based on his eulogy and the amount of curse words in it i don't believe is a uh is a follower of, of the good lord and savior jesus christ <laughs> he seemed fucking livid He's, he really, and that's what made me think, I don't think, I don't know that that was Rick's idea. I think one of these pastors was like, hey, Rick, and then what if at the end we did this? And he was just kind of like, oh, sure, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it went down, but it, it was not seamless. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And it was, it all of a sudden got super summer campy where it's like, oh, it's the last night of summer camp and they're trying to get new believers. Join our cult. Rick seems like a good dude. So Rick let's, a let's, great choo- dude. let's choose not to believe that he <laughs> was, that. was saying, hey, let's put a call to action in. But I'm just but saying I hear what he, you're saying. Yeah, even if he did, like, he's it not just a perfect, shows. He's not a perfect being. You know? No, but it also shows that, like, yeah, it just religion complicates things, right? Because fr- from a spirituality perspective, Rick was crushing it. But then you throw in this layer of, like, religion on top of it. And, like, part of his religious belief is that you have to evangelize people. You have to spread the good news. You have to point others towards Jesus. And so he was just trying to do that because he thought it was the right thing to do. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, that's that was my only note. Um, rest in peace, Rick. You were, uh, you were a real real good dude. We sorely missed. So I've yeah. seen his smiling face around the office. He's one of those guys uh, who just lights up your day. Uh, Thanks on for that sharing that. Happy note. That's cool of you to uh, share that experience. Yeah. Of sure. Yeah. I mean, death just 
obviously has its way of put about putting things into perspective. Sure. Like you were saying, it kind of just kind of makes you think about all the relationships in your yeah. life. And, uh, and am I living a life that, that I want to live or am I living a life that other people expect me to live? Am I spending my time and my resources in a way that I actually, yeah, mean something to me and impact me? Yeah. Am I, am I doing enough with my relationships? Am I doing enough for people? Am I telling people that I love, that I love them enough? You know? Yeah, it does. It pulls things to perspective real quick. And this is someone again, who it's like, yeah, he was, you know, a little bit more than an acquaintance, but not quite like a friend. You know, so it's I'm not super close to this person, but even then, it's still it's heavy and it snaps snaps things to perspective. Yeah, man, sure. it lets you know that it's real, and that yeah, yeah it can be coming. over. We're all on the Any clock. T- yeah, <laughs> we're all walking the path. <laughs> yeah, all on the clock. All right, you you want to get back into uh, into Matthew here? Yeah, absolutely. I want to let the fine folks know that we have a uh, an Instagram that they can follow. Oh. The old at Bible Buds at Bible Buds. So check that out. Hey, while we're on the topic of Instagram, I just would like to pull up real quick here. Um, and I would encourage folks to to maybe go check this out. But we actually have a uh, sort of competitor, Bible Buds account. They're Bible.Buds. Oh. Go give them a follow. Um, they seem <laughs> They seem real nice. And But I just got to say... It looks to me like these are some, like, it's like some, it's a group of young girls in the South of the Bible Belt, I would imagine. Um, they're just trying to, they're trying to do a good thing, you know, they're just trying to share some encouragement, advice, they're whatever. They're trying to share their testimonies But with one the of these people. things that I do not like, just the title of this book, um... It says, Everyday Obedience, Walking Purposefully in His Grace, 15 Minutes a Day Bible Study, written by Katie Orr. I think this is really targeted mostly towards women, and I just don't like it. I don't like this notion of being obedient. It sounds like... God. It's just... I un- I do... I understand the overall message. I get it, but it's like... It's very rigid and it's very, it feels a little like misogynistic. It seems like the book that uh, those fathers give their daughters. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, hey, which you're not going to be fucking around dude, having any sex under my roof. Speaking of, um, someone at my old church, that uh, kind of an old friend, honestly, um, wrote this book called- Shout out. I'm just yeah, kidding. <laughs> it's called Man on the Throne. And it's basically about how you it's run a toilet book, right? How you run your household as a man of faith. In and tw- released it in twenty fucking twenty, and I'm just like, yo. I mean, look, I do agree that the male archetype is congruent with like leadership, but the male archetype is in all of us. It's in men and women, and when you're looking at running a household. And again, I don't really have one, but I'm and I'm just sh- fucking shooting from the hip here. But I feel like the man and the woman both have important things to say in terms of how things should be run and that not just the man should be leading. I mean, this is like a c- ridiculously outdated notion. Yeah, dude. And to think that this progressive church that he's putting this back out there, I mean, again, like, you know, I think that I think that men have gotten a little lost 
in the last in the shuffle of uh, society looking for more equality. Men have gotten a little lost in the last couple decades, maybe not to say that they're not still on top because they pretty much are. But uh, I'm just saying, like, you know, the, w- people caring about men has been put on pause. Um, and I, you know, again, maybe rightfully so. I think you can make an argument for that. But I think we've forgotten that, like, there are, there is a thing, such thing as to- toxic masculinity, but, like, there's also po- positive masculine things. And that's the male archetype that I'm talking about, the masculine archetype that's that's good. Um, and so I think it's fine to start to bring that to light now that we've talked about all the toxic stuff, um, which is very important. Um, let's also talk about some of the positive things that men should be doing because men can't just look at themselves as like, well, I'm just all bad and a piece of shit that doesn't serve the world at all. But to go all the way back to like, and run your fucking household because that's your (laughs) shit is just, and I didn't read the book. So what, you know, whatever, but from what I gathered, that's what it was about. And I was like, Whoa, my God, woof. Yeah, man. That's a very real like part of. You know, just strict religious. And that's that's the sanctions. thing is like these girls, these Bible Buds girls, shout out if they're listening. Shout um, out if you want to come on the podcast too. We'll phone it in. Yeah, we'll phone it in for sure. But these Bible Buds girls to me, like it's that's the I think just from like at least some of the posts that I saw on there when I was just cruising through. It's like some of them. It's like, yeah, they but they want to be an obedient. They want to be obedient to God and they want to be an obedient wife because they feel like that's their place. And I think that that's a bummer. Well, it's gnarly that that becomes like what gets very like wrapped up in the message for them that they are serving God somehow by being an obedient housewife. Yeah, like letting your fucking husband, who, uh, spoiler alert, is a fucking dipshit because he's a man. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a man hater because I am one, but I also am a man hater because I am one. So, yeah, it's like you just can't give that dude final say on everything. Sometimes, like, you're going to have the, you're definitely going to have the knowledge and experience to be like, no, nah, this is the move for our house, our children, or whatever. Crazy. Crazy to me. Yeah, man. It's it's very wild stuff, but <laughs> it is, uh, it's a very, I think it'll be a nice, a nice uh, contrast to, to our account. Our Bible Buds account, I think, will be a little more playful and <laughs> it lighthearted. Might, it might be. <laughs> and, it uh, might be. It might get ridiculous. Um, there's an email. It's BibleBudsPDX at gmail.com. Please send us your messages. That is one thing that I realized that I was missing. You were saying, uh, I thought that um, you were going to tell people to send us messages of their unsolicited advice for us. But you were saying, send us your prayer requests and your need for advice and will give you advice i like it both ways oh, whatever you want to do whatever send you want to do send it all that's yeah. what, that's what i'm saying i like it both ways i would i think uh i think i just think it'd be cool if we had like a community of people with this podcast where we're sure. you know where people are we uh, can chiming be, in you know what we can say fucking shit and all that stuff and smoke weed and also be good people and have a community of other like-minded good people Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's. Uh, maybe sometimes we'll talk about the Bible. I don't know. Or maybe not. Or we'll laugh about the Bible. Or we'll laugh about this other Bible Buds account. Hey, bless up. <laughs> bless up. Bless up on... Uh, we left off on chapter 13. We finished up there. Yeah, I so also, chapter... Okay. I'm sorry. I, wanted to, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I just also want to give you a nice little shout out. 
for the wonderful fucking intro that we have to this show. That's a, that's an original composition yeah. by my friend and Bible bud, Andrew Harrison. So it's that's true. all him. It's true. And, and he, yeah. <laughs> I put on my, I yeah. donned my best uh, kind of whiny white boy Christian rock voice that I could for that. Well, I told you I was like, go a little more emo, and, and you did it. Like, I right did. When, right yeah. When, yeah, you're like, it it's a little bluesy. Yeah. Lean in. Note, Lean in, Andrew. Note was heard. Yeah. I feel like the note was heard, but Andrew's responsible for the other music that happens, you know, all the King's James stuff. and There's going to be more. I'm just going to keep peppering yeah. stuff. I need to write an outro. I'm going to make one for Joey Cam's Understands. No, I'm good. I'll make one for Parallel Saints. Anyways, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, thank I just you. wanted to, you know, recognize where, where our music is coming from. And uh, that's where it's at. Chapter 14 starts off with a fucking bang. It's, All of a sudden, yo, it's, it's Game of Thrones. John it's the Baptist, his head is chopped off. And not only is his head chopped off, but his, his head is chopped off, in my opinion, Game of Thrones style, where like there's like a banquet, a feast, a party, and some like a king's, da- a king's daughter. So, a stripper who wanted it. No. <laughs> Maybe. No, there's just like a dance the, involved. You know, yeah, but then there's it's like the king's daughter. It's like her birthday or something. And they're like, what do you want for his birthday? What do you want for your birthday? And she's like, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And she fucking gets it. Interesting. King yes. Herod, man. I just, uh, I don't know, man. Just seemed like maybe that that dance was uh, a little more per- persuasive than a dance. Uh, and just I don't to, know what ages are. To bring it full circle back to episode one, I mean, John the Baptist is just getting fucked by Matthew in this book. He's getting nothing. He's Dude, getting nothing. Also, can we just provide some context how it just goes from like he's in jail to getting his head cut off for no yeah, reason? Yeah, the context is because some girl wanted it. Because and that's why women should be obedient. No. Harad, he like he was uh, conflicted about this. I think this. it's Herod. Is it Herod? I think it's I'm Herod, sorry, dude. I'm gonna, this is how this is know, gonna go. I you wanted you to. I wanted you to just fuck it up for a while. Good. I think it's Herod. Uh, this is, you should just know this is how this is gonna go. Of course uh, it is. <laughs> I'll do the same. I will do the same shit. Um. Well, Herod. I still. I kind of want to call him Harad. Still. You do what you want to do. I kind of want to just do yeah, it. Harad. But anyway, <laughs> um, Herod. He was. He was conflicted about killing john the baptist yeah it was like, this, is like, this is like something like yeah, he's he would probably would have liked to have done but he's just like the people love this guy he's worried there's gonna be a do sh- it. uprising in the street but um but he has it done and he serves it up on the platter yeah it was his birthday actually and the daughter for his birthday was like get that dude's head yeah and then the disciples tell jesus and he seeks solitude you know and yeah. uh but then the crowds just follow him anyways. Yeah, so this is yeah, we get right into the Jesus feeds the five thousand. Jesus um, is gonna feed a lot of people. Everybody. Yeah. Jesus feeds the five thousand, which is a is a cool story, you know. He they they just have like a few fish and a what is it, two fish, five loaves of bread, and they feed five thousand with it. Which is pretty cool. Um Well the like the disciples after after everybody gathers though the disciples they uh they tell Jesus that they want to like send the people back to the town because there's no more food. Right. Like right. there's no food. They don't have any resources. Yeah, they got to go. And then he, he just tells them like, "No, we have plenty of food." 14 6 the you know, chapter 14 verse 16. They do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. Some very cut and dry stuff here. 
give them something to eat. Yeah, do you think that this is really trying to say anything else? Like, is there any other symbolism here with, like, the food that they you know, pick, the I bread was, and the fish? Or? I was trying to figure this out, and I kind of feel like maybe the bread in some way, that that daily bread is the uh, the fellowship of these other people, like all of these people being together. Mm. Like saying there's, that, so there like there's enough life enough. Like yeah. between us in some way. Ooh, that's fantastic. I like so that. So I was kind of I was kind of going off of that for a lot of my interpretation of this of okay. just kind of yeah, that there there's plenty of food to go around because we're all giving each other life in some way. Sure. Um yeah. So, I just a quick note on this. <laughs> Verse 21 says the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Because, yeah, fuck women and children. They're not real people. Well, Jesus wasn't a feminist. You know that, right? <laughs> Jesus was not a feminist. He was not a vegan. Our next t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, people are going to love that. No, Jesus no I'm, just with, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, kicked it with mostly, mostly I did. I did. I didn't notice that, though. Yeah, it was like, I don't know why we had to throw that in there. It didn't really seem very necessary no um but then he goes on this uh the walking on the water Mm -hmm. goes down after he dismisses the crowd and kind of sends the disciples to go ahead of him in the boat and uh jesus goes up on the mountain he has like that meditation time i'm assuming kind of like reflecting on the the death of of john who was the guy who just like laid the path for him like right. he's lost this dude and uh yeah yeah he just needed a moment to figure source some stuff out and then they're far they're far away yeah the boat is far away so jesus just casually strolls out to them and they freak the fuck out because who wouldn't and they're like yo there's a ghost there's standing a ghost. in the water <laughs> and jesus just goes don't be afraid you fucking dummies yep it's me you guys are idiots you guys are idiots. You're of little faith there's a once lot again. of that coming up Dude. where jesus is like chapter 16 is basically all jesus just being like <laughs> you guys like speaking super crypt- cryptically and then being like Oh, you don't get it? Fucking dumb. Yeah, Peter, dude. Peter gets it a few times oh, like yeah. in the upcoming chapters. Oh, yeah, Peter um, gets it real like good. Like, he's the one who gets it during uh, during this little portion. And he calls him weak yep. after they board the ship and just tells him of, that they're of little faith and that, like, why did you get so scared? Yeah, why did you doubt? Yeah, why because, did you? Because, and the reason that Peter doubted is because Jesus said, hey, come walk out on the water with me. And Peter had some healthy doubt about whether or not that was going to be possible, which seems very reasonable to me. But Jesus wasn't having it. <laughs> Jesus runs a tight fucking ship. Yeah. But then they, when they get back on board, all the disciples are just like, yo, you are the truly the son of God. I mean, if you saw someone walk on water, what else? Especially like. I mean, now I would be skeptical if I saw it like on a video or even in person, depending on what the water was. Um, But if I saw someone walk on water like out of a boat or like somewhere where I'm like, it's very unlikely that this can be faked, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it can't be a hoax. Then, yeah, I don't know. That would kind of fuck me up. I don't know if I would necessarily think that they're God, but I'd be like, I might think they're an alien, though. (laughs) Do you like what is the... 
symbolism for you than like in him walking on the water just like if you believe in something that heavy like you just know i think yeah i think it's to me it's kind of like a you know we're all in the water we're all in the water some of us are drowning some of us are swimming fine some of us are just kind of treading keeping up whatever you know some people are like doing water polo crazy you know somersaults like, yeah whatever they're really Getting crushing water it. in your nose but nobody's standing on the water because that's not possible and like jesus is basically saying it is possible though like to me it's like it's like the buddha reaching enlightenment like it's a symbol of that of just being of literally rising above the waters rising above the waters that everyone has to swim in because it's impossible not to unless you die to yourself and transcend into the next you know level of human consciousness yeah so when he's calling Peter out, I think it's more of like, hey, don't be afraid that you're going to drown. You're going. Right. Like you're not going to drown. Right. If you don't panic, you will not drown. Which is also great advice for if you were actually drowning, don't panic. Yeah. Maintaining composure. Tough yeah. advice, though, because it's like, well, but I'm drowning. So what am I supposed to do? Just be chill about right, it? Right. Right. Because I'm kind of freaking out. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't no, panic. That's, that's wild. Whoever wrote that. Um, Unreal. When they land after that, after the boat trip, after he walks on the water, yeah, uh, people come from all over, like seeking healing from Jesus, right? Um, so I was curious about your your take on this thing that happens around verse thirty five. Uh, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding ca- uh, county. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Here we we kind of touched on this. Yeah, I was saying prior episode. Cloak lady's a little crazy, but so do you think? In some way, it's just saying that being in the presence of this dude provide provided some healing in some way, and having the intention to want to be healed by him. And yeah, that's part of it. I think another way to look at it, though, that's a little more mystical is just like, okay, we're going to, we'll get back into psychedelics. <laughs> um, Here we go. Know, yeah. The, some of the most um, just intense and mystical, outrageous psychedelic experiences I've had, particularly on mushrooms, were incredibly healing. And I think that's because I, I've, um, my consciousness and awareness shifted towards something that was more, yeah, enlightened, Christ-like, whatever you want to call it. There's an unbelievable amount in some of those moments of understanding about why things are the way they are, about why I am the way that I am, about how none of it really matters and also has more meaning than I could ever imagine. You know, it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's beyond words, right? It's something that you end up just embodying and feeling. But in those moments, you know, like, you know some shit. If for anyone who's ever had, like, a, taken a hero's dose of mushrooms and, and you know, had a good time. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done mushrooms and felt like I basically, if I didn't become an enlightened being, I, being, I became something very close to it for 90 minutes, you know, where I felt like I knew the answers. And then they you know went away like a dream but all that to say that those experiences healed me 
immensely afterwards just from because right i didn't become that and then stay there so i basically just touched the cloak i touched the cloak of christ consciousness and then was kind of healed um and i think that's part of like you know a meditation practice or whatever kind of spiritual practice you can have where you can try to inch your way closer or to have a moment in your day where you where shit quiets down and maybe you you know touch the cloak of god for a moment um yeah it'll it's healing in a way yeah dude you fucking dial in and connect with that a bit like yeah once you can feel that feeling yeah and get a glimpse of it it is a game changer for as much of it especially with the the psychedelic stuff you know it is hard to hold on to everything within that trip or journey it's nearly impossible but i do feel like you know some of the stuff does stick i don't On think some you level, lose like everything no 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 no. and it does become um you know yeah it's these little extra tools on the belt sure that are yeah, uh, it's about integrating it afterwards but which is also very difficult but yeah anyway yeah, yeah no that's uh that is uh furthers my understanding sure of that uh situation as far as you know these people who who have touched the cloak yeah sorry i'm just i'm checking out this next chapter and there's some do you need some more light stuff i know it's kind of dark i have a light switch behind us you know that might be good it's gonna be bright so Uh, you're gonna have to let me know how you feel about it let's just do it you ready yeah okay (laughs) <laughs> that's that's, light, that's it that's not bad okay <laughs> that's fine your face it was very hard to tell if you were like what incredibly, the fuck is this incredibly light? <laughs> why would you ever have this no, light bulb it's fine um i mean yeah i think you could put a better light bulb in there but we'll, we'll talk yeah, about that on another really, episode i don't really use the uh light here at the table too often um, yeah i have a few notes on this chapter so this is the clean and unclean chapter 15 um Not said all your fun on earth. I don't know. I just like this uh this part where he calls out he's he again, he's kinda calling out like the Pharisees or whatever right now, or maybe just people in general. Um and he says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worshipped me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by man. And I was like, damn. Yeah, dude. If you you just summed up modern Christianity better in two sentences. He housed them. And it was it was a prophecy. But it's so spot on. Yeah. It's so spot on. Because they questioned Jesus about his disciples and their actions. Yeah. First. And then he yeah, he just like lays into them. Yeah. Let's them know. Yeah, you don't know goddamn thing. Yeah, I really like the uh stuff about breaking the the command of god for the sake of tradition and just uh it just and then it goes to say sometimes tradition nullifies the word of god and uh it just seems like yeah. that following tradition is not always the right thing no to do and that's not always where the truth is 
right. and everything. Tradition has you know? to evolve and change and be broken. Jesus was all about that, for sure. And just because you follow the rules and traditions doesn't mean that you're a holy person. Right. Just from like a moral, philosophical perspective, um, yeah, there are lots of ways that you can maintain the law, like in, even in today's modern world, things you can do that, that would maintain the law but would hurt people, whereas if you broke the law, you would be doing more good. Right. So it's a, it's a nod to that, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that was uh that was solid. No, I like that. I also like this um I had a note on verses thirteen and fourteen. So disciples are asking Jesus, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Um and he, uh, this is just regarding some of his teachings and he says I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he replies Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Yeah. And I just kind of immediately thought of like the internet and today's echo chambers and like how there's just so much of that. And and I'm I think in my own life I'm super susceptible this susceptible to this as well. And I think the importance of just like remaining diligent about and and like and keeping a sharp critical mind um so that you can really like understand the world around you and situations and people is so important because if you just take yeah you have to like you have to kind of lead yourself and if you just take at face value everything that i don't know whatever media source throws at you, whatever, whatever you, you're saying right now, <laughs> whatever you read on Reddit, whatever I say. Yeah. No, like you need multiple perspectives and you need, um, I think for certain things you need to like understand that maybe there are legitimate authorities on that topic. And if you want to go listen to fucking Joe Rogan spout some bullshit about whatever topic, fine. But then at the same time, like go find the actual authority on that. Right. And hear what they have to say and then compare and contrast. Um, because if you're just... And I think Joe would a million percent agree with this. He'd be like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Why would you Why would you take... No. Yeah, it's like you got... Yeah. It, it's really important to not be led by... Not be led by the blind. Otherwise, you're blind as well. Yeah. That's where the, the saying comes from. The blind leading the blind. You know? And that's the... Uh that's kind of just talking to like the self-righteous misguided people. Yeah. And and that's the crazy things cuz a lot of those people are the leaders within mm-hmm. organizations and and uh you know they're leading congregations of, of yeah of uh of faithful people that are latching on to their For nonsense. Sure. For sure. So it's crazy. Just to continue, though, on this story, because this part then gets pretty funny, where, so after Jesus is like, yeah, if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Seems pretty self-explanatory to me, but also I grew up with that biblical allegory as a part of my, you know, culture, so maybe I just have that understanding. But Peter's response is, uh, explain the parable to us, <laughs> so which good, seems pre- a pretty reasonable ask to just be like, hey, g- could you explain that to me? Most teachers love when a student is like, hey, actually, I'm admitting that I don't understand and I would l- and I would like to. And Jesus's response is just, are you still so dull? 
It's like, damn. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. He gives it to him, dude. He just gives it to him. Just lets him know once again. He gets put in his place again. Yeah. Um. So, and this next section, I had to do a little bit of research on just because I was so lost. But um, this Canaanite woman comes up to Jesus. So, and we're in a new episode. But it's same chapter, but it's like a new episode. Jesus gave his clean, unclean parable. Yeah, like the wrap on And then they left. Is the actions are what make you unclean. Not eating with unclean hands. Right. That's the wrap. What matters the most is how you fucking treat people and treat yourself and treat the environment and whatever. That's most important. Hallelujah. Praise be. Um, yeah, so just this this woman comes up to Jesus and kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. And he replies, uh, his reply is, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yeah, yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And I was just like, I'm sorry. What the fuck is happening here? I'm not even offended or anything. It's just like, it makes no sense. So I did like a little bit of research and it's like, it turns out you just really need to understand the relationships of like the Canaanite tribe of people to that region at the time and that's like why they're talking about dogs they're not talking about real dogs they're talking about some kind of weird tribal illusion but this is a great moment for so in the first episode i talk about the message yeah written by eugene h peterson you brought it and it says uh this is the bible in contemporary language so let's go ahead and and you know what because they did this in contemporary language they're they sort of fucked us and there's not um like exact verses it's all kind of estimates um so it might take me a second so if you have anything else to say while i try to find this sorry i should have had this marked um Um, yeah no this woman just you know asked asked jesus for mercy for her daughter who's possessed by a demon we touched on on uh on possession a little bit in the last episode as well yeah and and um okay so here i've got the message version at first, um, he rejects her request. Right. It's important to know. And then and then, she seems to, yeah. So this is the, the contemporary version. I, can't, I haven't read this yet. So and I, then, I have yeah, no idea. She's suddenly convinced. He's suddenly convinced after she drops this knowledge on him. Yeah. She's like, well, even dogs eat the, <laughs> even dogs eat the bits. Yep. And he's like, God damn, don't <laughs> she know? Uh, okay, so this version says, uh, then the woman came back to Jesus, went to her knees and begged, Master, help me. He said, it's not right to take bread out of children's mouths and throw it to dogs. She was quick. You're right, master. But beggar dogs do get scraps from the master's table. Jesus gave in. Oh, woman, your faith is something else. What you want is what you get. Right then her daughter became well. Okay, so this contemporary version really didn't do that much of a better job. I don't feel like. No. I just, I assumed it was some test of her faith. (laughs) <laughs> and she got the answer right when she uh when she brought it back to him. I okay, I want to try to unpack this. I want to try to get a crack at understanding, especially now that we've got this message version. Like I kind of understand the so, first part. Yeah, it's not right to take bread out of children's mouth. So, okay, people um who are part of your tribe who are dependent upon you for something, 
maybe it's not actually food it's not necessarily right to neglect them so that you can um serve something that's maybe not necessarily worthy of it like think of like a father who's like so into helping the homeless that he's neglecting his own family i feel like maybe jesus is trying to say that like don't forget about the other these other people but then she's saying right but also still don't forget about the other people because even they get scraps from their masters i don't know yeah no that's fair it's uh you shoot it down too no i i i like i like the idea of that i'm gonna throw this in the middle in case anyone wants to uh you know crack that (laughs) open for anything that you're like what the hell yeah it's um yeah even the dog's gotta eat though right you know and even yeah even like even 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 your worst enemy even a dog's master would give them scraps from the table yeah for sure even i don't know yeah but all that to say that section that little section is very confusing makes no sense and the only way that you can really understand it from what i gathered was like you got to understand all the historical context of like who is a canaanite and i do not why do israelites <laughs> hate canaanites so much blah 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 like what's yeah. the history of the canaanites i yeah i tried to look into it a little bit and then i was like and he's not trying to read this much today so i stopped um and yeah, I don't know. What was her possession? Tell me more about this possession of your daughter. Yeah. What's happening there? Yeah, I don't possession stuff is weird. Um sixteen is it Wait, great. Do, I just do you have more on I just have on, one on fifteen. That's quick note I'm sorry. On fifteen. I didn't mean to do um, that. so in chapter fourteen, I believe it was Oh yeah, uh-huh. he feeds, Jesus feeds five thousand, which is the famous story. Jesus feeds feeds five thousand men plus women and children, so Seven probably like of bread. probably like fifteen thousand people. But um, then all of a sudden, it's like Jesus feeds the four thousand. Yep, and I'm like, wait, I don't never heard this story. I guess <laughs> I guess four thousand people isn't nearly as impressive. So, but also once again, it's like yeah, four thousand people counting men, not including. Besides women and children. It's just like, <laughs> fucking women and children. Why didn't women and children matter? But then at the same time, like, Jesus che- teaches, like, you know, care for, like, the widows and the poor and the children. Do you but think then that's women just and children some bullshit just, like, aren't that got added real in? people? Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that Jesus is saying that, obviously. I don't think God is saying yeah. that. It's a historical thing. But you just, just think just all so these people adhere to that? Like, Matthew was... Yeah, Matthew's just saying, like, well, yeah, I mean, women aren't, a f- they're not a full person. Yeah, I mean, he's a tax man. That's true. What can you expect? Well, you would think as a tax man that you would want to count them as a full person, so they got to pay all their taxes, too. Right. Right. Fuck do I know? I just use TurboTax. <laughs> taxes are coming up, folks, and... Uh, wish we had a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> really wish TurboTax were sponsoring this so that I could say, you. it honestly, this is just a quick plug for TurboTax. It's so easy. It's if pretty If you great. haven't... And I would imagine most people are using it, but if you're not, and then you just have like a regular job, yeah, you know, like Simple. if you if you run your own business, probably not. Probably go to a professional. If you're just working a job, you got it. Your W two, whatever. Like, just do TurboTax. It's so fucking easy. It takes me like 15 minutes. Plug in a couple numbers. Make up some goodwill donations. All right, what are we doing? That's code name Bible Buds at checkout. <laughs> yeah. 
Codename Bible Buds for TurboTax. Okay, <laughs> so moving on to uh, to chapter 16, and I feel like you're pretty excited here. I feel like you I like 16. There's a lot going on here. You know, the Pharisees, and they're asking Jesus for a sign. Can I just say, can we just look at uh, this whole section, though, um, where Jesus is like, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? <laughs> um, like, or the seven loaves for the 4,000, blah, blah, blah. How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Like, Love it's this basically part. Jesus, like, he's speaking, again, he's speaking, like, pretty cryptically. Right. He's not speaking directly at all. And then the disciples are like, hey, can we get a quick clarification on that? And he's just like, you guys are so dumb. Why don't you understand? Yeah. It just cracks me up. He's like, I'm talking about the rise and the growth of the Pharisees. I am not talking about the bread. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny. But I do think part of the reason that that keeps happening, I do think there is like some genuine frustration. And I, I guess you couldn't really blame him. Um, for people just not getting it, you know, and we've talked about this too, about like, where's that line with people where you just like, you know what, there, you go live your life. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to like, you know, I'm not being mean to you. I just like, we don't have, we're going to separate ourselves from us for yeah, a little bit. Us together is, is rocky soil. Nothing good comes from, from these hangs. Um, and I feel like part of that. Yeah, it's sort of reflected here in Jesus just being like constantly putting his face in his hands and being like, oh, it's so difficult for you guys to understand this because it's it is difficult shit to understand. And part of it requires some level of like experiencing too. well, just think your way to it. Yeah. And think about how many things do you do over and over again, like in your life? That you're just like, I know this isn't the thing I should be doing. Mm-hmm. What and am I? Just, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Your right head now? against the wall. You know, like yeah, for that's sure. <laughs> like that's the. I feel like that's right there with it. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't just go for other. Yeah, it goes for yourself too. Um, and there is, I mean, we t- we've talked about this as well. Like, how many times do you got to relearn that lesson? It's like maybe ten thousand until it sticks. Yeah. Well, and, and then that kind of gets into like, how many times do you forgive your brother? And it's like for you just keep forgiving. Right. And that goes for yourself, too. That's the practice. Yeah. So that's the work. Um, Sorry. So go ahead into uh, into this into this chapter. I don't yeah, really dude. have anything well, until the, the very Pharisees, end. You know, they ask him to uh, they ask Jesus for a sign. They want to know still. They don't they're not they're not on board. Sure. And he's just he says, nah. I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> not today. And, and then he, uh, in verse four, he says, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for signs, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah, which, uh, whom is Jonah? <laughs> Who is this Jonah? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking <laughs> you. <laughs> do you know uh, who Jonah is? Jonah and the I whale, was on the right? pl- I was on the plane, so I couldn't look it's it up. Jonah and the whale? Um, Jonah. I was curious if you, I guess I'm. Yeah. Well, you know the story of Jonah in the Bible, uh, and the whale. 
Whereas like, the uh, the book of Jonah, like what does that mean? But none will be given except the sign of Jonah, the sign of a whale. Yeah, so Jonah and the whale, dude. I mean, we can't really get into it. This is like okay. a whole footnote. Okay, essentially. So we're but doing a bonus Jonah, episode on the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah <laughs> is a book about this guy who gets swallowed by a whale and like lives inside a whale for a while, and it's okay. a, it's just one of those weird mythological stories that's trying to tell a deeper truth. Okay. So I don't. So I'm not sure. I get maybe, exactly maybe what saying he's just saying. But none will be given except for, you know, the sign of being swallowed by a whale. Like, you'll know yeah. when you're in the whale. None will be given except for, yeah, something as subtle as a whale swallowing. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, you got into, like, Jesus warning, pretty much warning the disciples about, like, the rise, the yeast of the Pharisees and, and shit. Yeah. And then... uh but then Peter, like, right after Jesus dresses him down again, he, uh, Peter tells him that, that Jesus is, is the Christ, the son of living God. Cause he asks him, he's like, who do people say is Christ? And he's like, oh, some people thought it was John. Some people thought it was this dude. Some people said it was him. And he's like, who do you think it is? And then he tells him like, Hey. It's you, it might baby. be you, bud. It's you, baby. I see it in you. You are the Christ, the son of living God. Um, so this is an interesting part on my um, on my Bible. I probably should have gotten it out. I should probably get it out. I, I mean, I have one right here. But it's highlighted. Okay. It's important because of that. Okay. Quick pause. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I got my Bible. So this is cool. This is not th- this Bible was was given to me, so it already has some uh, some markings in it, some highlighted stuff. Oh, that's kind of cool. So I thought that was kind of like a fun thing to, f- to kind of focus in for myself because it obviously somebody else thought it was important. Sure. So I thought it was, and obviously hard to ignore this right. thing that is in pink highlighter. Right, you know? right. Job well done, whoever had this before me. But um, so after after Pete, you know, tells. Tells Jesus that uh, <coughs> Jesus, uh, after he tells Jesus <laughs> that he's the Christ, uh, Jesus replies, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it." I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So he dropped some knowledge there. Yeah. And um, that's another tough one, another tough ask from Jesus of like, hey, please, uh, no, don't tell. Yeah, don't tell. Um and yeah, I don't know, reading into that, doing some analyzing on that, it's kind of, uh, I think he's in some way like telling you that you, like someone can't tell you what the, what the Christ is, like what no. or who it is, you this know? This is the virgin birth, right? Yeah. And it's sort of like something you have to reveal for yourself within yourself. It's the hero's journey. And accessing like that higher being and 
Yeah. That's what you like build your faith upon like when you're tapping into that stuff. Right. Those moments again, yeah, for me recently it's really been about those moments where I do feel um authentically like myself. I feel connected to my body. I feel present in the moment. And I just I've started to notice that in those moments I seem to be making much better decisions for myself in in my own life uh, I have a clarity around what really matters uh, and a, a much deeper love for myself and for people around me um, and yeah that's a that's the real teacher it's that level of consciousness that I should be looking at to make to try to yeah navigate my navigate my world yeah it's uh you feel like that's in line <laughs> with like what yeah, man. I and I think when you uh, when you kind of go all in or or sell out on something you believe in like so heavy that you're making like the right decisions and like you're following like truth, I think sure. I think it's like you can't lose in some way when you're doing that stuff when mm. you're just all in on all in on what though? Just uh, I don't know. Just when you tap into that that higher being and you feel like sure. you know what like what things are revealing right. and it you're to just you, saying and you're just dialing into that thing and you're just saying it, there's no it's gonna always be a net positive for you to believe that you do have some kind of like higher truth higher power higher version of yourself whatever or it like is. whatever's making you feel good you yeah. know to whatever just believe that that's a real thing Regardless of whether or not it is, whether it's your brain chemistry yeah. or your what at like if it's an energy, it's an energy. Yeah, like, whatever it is, just believe it's real. If that if that serves you, then like yeah, follow because like, that's the true teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And um that leads me to like a really great quote from uh from an American a true American icon. Um Oh, so you're, we're doing almost a parallel saying sort this of. This is here. almost like a Joey Cam's understands. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I guess you can't really do parallel sayings. They're not parallel <coughs> if one person was two thousand years later. Yeah, but this is uh, an American hero. Can I can I yeah. try to guess who it is? Go ahead. Uh, can I get a couple hints? Was it a politician? No. <laughs> is it a uh, professional wrestler? No. Uh, hotter or colder with that? Hotter. Okay. Is this a uh, someone in the entertainment industry? Yes. Is it an actor? Yes. Okay. So it's probably Adam Sandler. (laughs) It's not Adam Sandler. Go ahead. This is an American hero, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Clear eyes. Oh my gosh. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Full hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose. And that's what I'm saying about going all in. Like when you know that you're you're clear on on shit. Mm. And like when it's buzzing for you. Well, and if you, you know what? And if you think about, uh, if you, if you think about that as a metaphor, a football game as a metaphor for the game of life, you know, I think part of that message from coach Taylor is like clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Not in the sense that like you might lose the game sometimes. Yeah. Like actually lose the game, but it's, but from, in terms of what you take from it and how you grow from it, you never lose. You always win. Yeah. You always get something from it. You know so, what you left out there. Yeah. And yeah. And it was You have to live with that part too. 
of like yeah. what you left out there. Yeah, so even if you won and you did it in a shitty way, then you lost. Yeah, because something as simple as as a game, like a competitive game like that, at any level, sure, is uh, something that can leave people with so much regret. Oh yeah, in their lives. Oh yeah. If I would have just stepped into this pitch instead of the other one, like you know, all just all those split second decisions that people mull over sure for hours of their day probably yeah man so. regret is such a regret is such a fucked up thing <laughs> yeah dude it's gnarly you know that's plagued that's plagued a lot of my life because you want to be like i have no regrets man <laughs> no regrets <laughs> no yeah regrets. it's like no i regret so much <laughs> i mean yeah I, don't, I certainly don't regret everything by any stretch I, you know it's a small portion but the things and i think that's an interesting point actually the things that I actually truly regret, we're talking about blips in my life, you know, at least uh, at least for me. Yet all of those blips are these like big hammers that I beat myself with all the time. And it's like, why am I focused on those? Like, look at all the other stuff. Is that your self-love hammer? No, it's not my <laughs> self-love hammer. That's what it's, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's my it's my. Uh, bizarro self-love <laughs> hammers my yeah dude anti-self-love hammer yeah but it's just an interesting thing that like our our the way that we are we're so prone to focus on the negative we're so prone to focus on the regrets as opposed to the wins it's just interesting yeah i guess i don't know some some message in like amending the regret in some way and then it doesn't become regret anymore yeah I don't know. I mean, I think there is a way to be where you you look back on your life uh or you look back on whatever thing you just did. And yeah, if you were if you were operating in a truly authentic way to yourself, then there are no regrets. There could be maybe um some disappointment that outcomes didn't land exactly where you wanted them to. Uh that shit got a little fucky cuz it always does, but um you get to go, you get to know that like yeah but i did the most authentic thing that i could do in the moment and so whatever happened was just like what was supposed to, was going to happen yeah you did you i did me that's the move that's what I, yeah the move is to do you and be true to yourself for sure and i think so much of like like going back to to the bible dot buds account and that concept of obedience Right. Which I think is like when it's co-opted in a Christian sense of like obedience to God, the the man in the sky, so to speak, or however you think of God in, in a religious context, it becomes a little fucked up. But in a mystical context of God being, you know, ever present, loving awareness or an energy or whatever, I think that obedience is just being true to yourself, being true to like, yeah, you're just you're just out here doing your best yeah and i think of avoiding your truth can uh i don't know it can just lead to you uh living a very unfulfilling life and maybe you're just like one that's just like very distracted by noise that like keeps you from that truth yeah and that resistance um or satan as jesus likes to call it sure when he uh when he yells at Peter again later. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. He yells at him Great for that. 
great Sufjan Sufjan Stevens song, Get Behind Me Santa. You know his uh, Christmas Christmas stuff? We're, pr- we're pretty far from Christmas, but give that song a listen. I didn't, so yeah, I didn't a, know about that. It's a nod. It's a nod to this verse. That's awesome. Get Behind Me Santa. That's pretty funny, though. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, that whole thing, though, of just... Uh, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Yeah, because Jesus is like, I got to go face the noise. I've got to go walk in and uh, and face all the elders, and right. the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And right. he knew that that was going to uh, be a suffering experience. Right, right. And uh, he was like, no, don't do it, you know. This whole next section is um, a very notable section of the gospel, verses 24 through 28. Uh, I have quite a bit of commentary on this, but I just want to throw out there that, like, you know, as someone who sat through probably over a thousand sermons um, and been in so many Bible studies and, yeah, spent so much of my time in the church studying this shit— this one is one that gets that we come back to a lot. So I'm just going to read the whole thing real quick. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, to me, um, this verse is really just talking about how, like, you you got to kind of die to yourself if you're ever going to have a chance of like tapping into something greater a bi- a bigger awareness um yeah a more refined consciousness whatever it is tapping into god like this even this first part of like uh, if anyone would come after me so basically if like if anyone's going to try to walk the narrow path right if anyone's going to try to be like my friend Rick who just passed and be like a genuinely like unanimous like good person loved people looked out for people selfless life was a positive influence on like nearly everyone around them like if you're going to try to approach that and walk that narrow path um, you have to deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and so basically saying like not follow me Jesus or a religion but following Christ consciousness means like you have to take up your cross. You have to, you have to do, you have to look at your shadow. You have to like carry the heavy shit that is, that it's just part of your particular brand of existence um, as an individual, whatever those burdens are. And you have to deny yourself. You have to, you have to die to yourself. Like you got to give up. You got to give uh make the ego give up its reins on like how you make decisions it's a battle it's a real battle and it's but it's a and he just keeps going right he says for whoever wants to save his life will lose it 
Um, but whoever yeah, loses his point. life for me, won't, this is a very famous verse. It's my favorite part of it. Yeah, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. So yeah, the most it's kind of same thing that we we're just talking about with the game, where it's like the most selfish motherfucker that goes out there for to try to save themselves gets fucking nothing. Yep. Even if they did save themselves, in the end they get nothing. Uh, you know, yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah, and whoever loses his life for me, so whoever is willing to walk the narrow path and like lean into saying like you know what i do have autonomy over my life i can be a better person i can help others i can be a positive impact on the world and i will make sacrifices in my life so that i can align myself to that that person ends up finding life even though they gave up the life that they had that was comfortable for them they find something richer and better it's good it's really powerful stuff and like there's a lot that you can teach here and I think, you know, a lot of churches, I've heard lots of sermons on this that are done very well. You know, it's a it's a compelling uh, thing that I think speaks to a lot of people. But it gets a little it gets a little fucky once you start plugging in, you know, I'm talking about just like trying to tap into to the God consciousness. Once you start plugging in, like follow Jesus, which means yeah, like dude. be a part of this religion so that you it's just, it gets a little weird. It gets a little weird. Yeah. You can totally see that in the the saving of his life and yeah. losing it part. And, you know, whoever loses it for me will find it. Yeah. Or, or what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Which is also a, like a very anti-capitalist, like, you know, that that is message. Like, yeah, that's one of the things that gets like lost in the message, though, of yeah, like those people, you know, people that get wrapped up in that seem to yeah, people like forget to recognize I feel that like it they says miss like, the whole first part yo don't forfeit your soul i feel like no see i feel like they miss the first part and get the uh and get the forfeit your soul where they're like you know what good will it be a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul to them they're just like yeah don't forfeit your soul by like obviously be a christian <laughs> be a member of the religion for sure that's what that means. Otherwise, you're out in the world, like, gaining the whole world. And it's like, no, I think Jesus is saying, like, yeah, you know, you could amass a billion dollars. It doesn't, it means fucking nothing. At the end of the day, you are forfeiting your soul. Uh, and I don't think you necessarily have to. I think you could be an evolved billionaire person as well. But it's just like, how materialistic are you? How focused are you on, yeah all that worldly shit because you're gaining all that worldly shit, but your soul is being completely yeah, unattended. You're to. denying the the needs of the soul. Yeah. Not feeding that very much. I mean, I think you, you see a lot of people that do end up in extremely wealthy and just walk away from it after like a couple of years and just realize, Oh, I'm making all this money, but it kind of sucks. doesn't really. Yeah makes sense to me and obviously they have like the priv- they have the privilege to like will probably walk away with some money as well sure. but i think plenty of people bail on, sure. on jobs b- for that reason or look at take it to an extreme look like a look at a bill gates one of the richest men to live in the modern era has has been trying to do a lot of fucking good in the world really it seems like you know we'll, we can argue about whether or not he's doing the most max he's authentically he trying quite a bit he's authentically trying to do what he thinks is going to have a re- and he doesn't have to do that 
and he's just doing it. And so, anyways, I just want to jump into it. Joey Cams understands. Joey Cams, based, based on this little section that's talking about the importance of dying to yourself, um, how how you got to die while you're still alive so that you can truly live, um, and that like you don't get to receive Jesus coming back. Which again, I don't I don't think that that's a obviously a real prophecy. I think it's a daily thing of like you have an opportunity to interface with like your true authentic self. That's Jesus coming back. And like, you don't get to do it unless you are willing to like shed some skin, you know, and snap into something better. Like you got to let some shit go. You got to die to yourself. So anyways, Joseph Campbell has this quick little quote from hero with a thousand faces where he says, uh, the hero of yesterday becomes the tyrant of tomorrow unless he crucifies himself today. And it's just like that real clear recognition of like, you know, once you start to like get things falling into place, whether it's physically, spiritually, whatever, like you have to start, you have to start letting go. You have to start detaching. You have to start tapping in to non-dualistic ways of observing the world. Um, Otherwise you become a tyrant. Yeah, and it might not be a tyrant in the sense of, like, you've amassed a lot of money and now you're, like, a tyrant in the world. It might just be, like, you've grown up. You've grown up and you're the hero of your own story uh, in terms of, like, whatever. But, like, you're a tyrant to yourself. You're a tyrant in innerly because you won't – you're not willing to let some of that shit go. Yeah. I think it's also um, just kind of trusting that the magic is in the unknown as well and just like that's a big part of like the letting go thing just being sure you know lean into the mystery lean into the mystery because lots of good things happen with when you start you know not worrying about how every single piece is going to fall into place and whatnot and just kind of trusting the process in some way i guess you know which connects back to so much stuff that jesus has already talked about about like let the dead bury their dead. Like, let tomorrow, uh, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow can worry about itself. Like, it's it's kind of going back to the whole, like, present moment notion of, like, just be, just be in whatever it is that you're doing now. Yeah. Because that's it. That's all there is. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you, uh, <laughs> feels feel like kind of dials you into that regularly oh man i mean we've i've talked about this before right but it's just the i feel like the uh, the best tool that i have is just trying to get myself to feel like i'm in my body like really in it yeah noticing it and then that helps me be like really in the moment um yeah it's about feeling your way into it as opposed to thinking your way into it um but i noticed that um I feel like when I when I feel like my awareness isn't like so up in my my head, my critical thinking mind and is more coming from a, like I feel like when it's there, I'm very prone to like come home from work and be like everything's fucking bullshit <laughs> and like I'm tired of these fucking people and I'm tired of like whatever annoying thing that I have to do every day and I'm tired of like this way that my like job just got kind of fucked and like they keep fucking with me over this and that and blah 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 um whereas when i'm i'm operating more from a place of like feeling and it feels like my awareness is more kind of like rooted 
lower, like beneath my head, like more in like my heart gut area. Um, even if I have a shit day, I come home and I'm just like, well, just happy to have a job. <laughs> like that's a genuine feeling that I have some days where I'm just like, yeah, it was a shit day, but like, honestly, at least I have a job that yeah. like, pays me good. And like, it's not that bad. You got to put and it like, in perspective for yourself. It comes into perspective so quickly where I'm just like, yeah, it was objectively not good. I didn't like it. It's not that I don't have a right to complain about it, but I'm also just like, I'm more rooted in gratitude right now for what I do have. That's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get there more often. We're talking maybe one in 20. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time I'm the motherfucker who's like, yo, you won't believe what happened to me today. I'm I'm incensed. <laughs> I can't wait to complain about this. I love to complain. Oh, I love to complain. <laughs> it's not healthy. I know it's something that I like to do, and I'm just like, I've been working on it for the past couple of years because I know that it comes from that place of just like way over analyzing and way overthinking things. Um, and yeah, it's just a healthier perspective to do it from the other the other side. Um, what about when you're playing music? Or do you feel like you're super present in those situations of right of writing or performing live can be or even just playing man even just jamming with people i think those are probably the most magical um especially when you're kind of like working on something new and you have a moment where um you feel like something really special just happened uh and maybe it's just you maybe it's you and another person uh, even if it's just you, it's easy to acknowledge this. And if if you can do it with another person, then it becomes fucking magical, which is where both people kind of look at each other and they're just like, where did that come from? Yeah, you're tapping into something together. Because you're tapping into something together and in sync together, you found this thing that you're both like, whoa, I can't believe we just found that. You know, it's a really, yeah, it's an incredible, it's an incredible feeling for sure. And I think in a lot of ways, playing so much music in my life, um, that has been a good tool for me to kind of tap into the to the present moment, and I think it's give it's made my toolbox probably stronger than it would be uh, had I not had that. So I'm very grateful for it for sure. I think I would be a neurotic, just mess. Like I think I'd be a real motherfucker without some of these some of these things that I have in my life that are not really like has nothing to do with me. You know, it's like a thing that I do or have chosen to do. And or just happened into I feel like with music, I didn't even choose it. It's just like a thing that became ingrained in me very early a gift from God, so to speak. And I'm not even particularly like that amazing at it, but it's just brings me so much joy and is such a yeah, it's such a gift to have been given something like that that does has been teaching me how to be in the moment without me even knowing it um, for the last 20 years. Yeah. I I have like that attachment with music in some way, but even more with playing hockey. Like it's it's just sure. the thing, dude. And I think sports are are great for that. I it's mean, I un- I think they're very underestimated the important what they can teach lessons that you can learn sure. playing sports. Obviously, you can take sports to an extreme where it becomes the obnoxious version of what I think most people who are not into sports think about, myself included sometimes. But I grew up playing sports and like I do think I learned so much about like teamwork, collaboration, but also like, yeah, serving a greater good and then and and not giving, you know, so much 
care about yourself and then also yeah like a being truly present yeah because you have to be shit's moving fast like you can only be thinking about what you're actually doing right now in the moment so it's just good practice absolutely um do you have more on 16 at all i have one more example of like uh, okay being being in the moment that i just thought of this week um someone i heard someone say that um you know a lot of religions and spiritual teachers or whatever refer at some point refer to heaven as a banquet um and how a banquet is basically just like a a time where you have everything that you need so kind of almost like another kind of metaphor for like being in the present moment because everything that you need is in the present moment if you can tap into it um and this person said it might have been it could have been this Giannis episode of honeydew I, i can't remember but this person was basically just talking about how much they like they love food and they love to eat. And um, but they said how they're like, yeah, my favorite part, though, is is that each meal is a rehearsal for for the real thing, because if you can be re- you got to eat every day and if you can be truly present for every meal in a really meaningful way, like you get the best dress rehearsal for all of the rest of your life of of being really fucking present in it and as someone who also really loves food i was just like man fuck yeah that's absolutely i mean you know me like i eat i like to eat really delicious stuff all the time it doesn't have to be expensive but like i care about what i eat it's rare that i'm just like i'm just gonna eat ramen today for lunch because like i don't have time i'm like no i like i carve out time in my day so that i can have at least one good meal that like i thoroughly enjoy every day and part of it is because i love food but part of it is also because it snaps me in to this present moment you gotta pay attention to this other thing too in some ways yeah like when i eat a lot sometimes i have a book that i'm reading um every once in a while i might be listening to a podcast but a lot of times i just eat in like dead silence just chilling just me and this food just really like enjoying the process and being so grateful that i'm getting to sit here and eat something delicious yeah that's why i do it so often that's that's cool that almost uh like makes the whole thing a a prayer in some way yeah exactly and i think that's that is definitely one of the things that i really appreciate Uh, like there are some traditions i really appreciate which are catholicism or other religions like one of them like maybe specifically for dinner for some reason maybe it's just you know the uh the placing in my life for it Mm -hmm. of just like that dinner prayer oh yeah you know and it doesn't need to be anything have to do anything with you know godness shit man i guess I, i never made that connection that like that's what that prayer is for though Really? Yeah, it's to the, sh- is for, yeah. But you're like doing it the whole time if you're doing it like the, in the silence. Sure, I but, feel the, like you're, but the you're, prayer, the reason that that prayer, because I grew up with that prayer, we prayed before every meal. My grandparents do, so it wasn't something I did all of the time. But especially, I mean, I lived the with last them few the years, last yeah. few ye- like few years they were up here, and so every night I ate with them. There was a prayer, and I I just appreciate the fuck out of that like yeah. so much. And I think it makes me yeah it roots your it roots your consciousness in some level of gratitude of being like you know be just recognize how awesome it is that you have something great to eat right now. Um, 
But then, yeah, it sets the stage for the whole meal to be a prayer, whether that's you alone or sharing it with other people. Um, there's something that's magical about the food. Um, it's why people talk about breaking bread with each other, or whatever. Like it snaps multiple people into the present moment together to be in com- true community together. So it's a really, it's a beautiful thing. And like, I definitely recognize the power. I mean, yeah, you know, I like to host a, a good dinner party from time to time. And I think part of why I love that so much, it's not about, obviously, yes, I like to cook. I think I'm pretty pretty decent at it. You're you're real and good. you're real good at it. And yeah, I like to make food for people and have them be like, "Wow, this is delicious." But I'm not doing it so that I can like feel padded of like, "Oh, I'm a great cook." I'm making delicious food because I'm trying to pull everybody together in this community. That's cuz I love it so much, you know? Um and I think it's yeah, it's interesting how um yeah, like some of that I feel like I've been aware of over over the years but some of it is it's somewhat unconscious of just like the things that we already are doing i think all that to say it's just like i don't know so many of these teachings do very much apply today and i think a lot of people that i know are doing amazing christ-like things already in their life without even knowing it you know i don't think that um in the same way that jesus is saying like well i came for like the broken whatever like basically meaning like i came for everyone who just recognizes that they're just a real fucking person who's not like yeah god's gift to earth um like everybody is is tapping in in various moments and it's just being able to recognize those and grow on them and like expand them um yeah I think that's the end of that rant, but <laughs> yeah, that's all. It's all. It's all solid stuff. Um, well, thank you. Um, I I got uh, I got a little lost. I'm stoned. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I get stoned. I just start ranting. So good. Let's move on to uh, chapter seventeen, and then maybe maybe we'll. Yeah, we'll see what we get we'll out of see 17. What we get. Okay. We'll see I don't have any notes for 17, so Cool. I have a few. Um Jesus heals the possessed boy after uh the healing of a out, boy with f- a demon. They find out he finds out that the disciples have failed to heal this boy though. Right. And uh <laughs> Jesus once again just kind of lays into them and lets them all of the disciples lets them know of what little faith they have and uh and just lets them know about the you can have faith as small as a mustard seed and move a mountain and uh yeah he just also can we just talk about how jesus is like oh unbelieving and perverse generation how long shall i stay with you (laughs) but can't you feel that as like and i'm by no means am i like even close to a fully evolved person. Um, I'm yeah. And as I feel like as broken and imperfect as anyone else, but I look at the world and like, I feel a little bit of that towards the world where I'm just like, man, what the, why am I even fucking trying with this shit? Yeah. God damn it. So like how much more would someone feel who like, is like fully like done it fully transcended. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting that showing this genuine frustration of being like, this is exhausting that you guys are still fucking quarreling over whatever bullshit. Yeah. You know, like, 
God damn, none of that matters. Like, why can't you see that none of that matters? Yeah. He's yeah. trying to, like, let them know if they would just believe that they could make real moves and just move on from yeah, <laughs> mulling over all the details and, uh, you know, letting them know that. Jesus, can you explain the bread again? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will be impossible for you, you know? Um, we were talking about athletes momentarily ago, and that was why I asked you if you had anything more on 16, but I thought that, like, that kind of section of that of just kind of this nothing will be impossible for you kind of do you know any the bullshit of you can put anything you know put you put your mind to and whatnot and uh i think that's like often why you see athletes always like a lot of them put some shout out or like praise to god like during a celebration or the reception of an award because they know that all the work it took to get there is is like tapping into that sure that higher power of like following their yeah we're their talking truth. about the best athletes for in the most world. of them yeah some of them realize quickly that it's really not what they wanted to do they don't want to be a professional athlete right but to show like what you are capable sure of it is i think that is interesting it's also interesting to note that there are a lot of like religious athletes um as evidenced by like this pretty standard nod towards God for doing doing a good touchdown, or absolutely kicking the ball real hard. Um, so yeah, but I think to that point though, I think you have you raise an interesting point where it's like to be a world class anything, you have to be tapped in. It's that transfiguration. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, you have to like literally like transform yourself and you have to like sacrifice yourself. Yeah. In some way to get to that level right. of it, you know. Yeah. So along those lines of sure. like tapping into a like God that way or you know that faith within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just I don't know, it's it seems like it's also very visible in those inexplicable like flow states or zones or like a rhythm that someone maybe gets into in like a sports game where they hit like 10 three pointers in a row and everybody's just like oh what is happening yeah here? like how they are even, like how is that possible? in this shit when it's just like working like you're just there you're yeah. just the yeah. vessel for it and everything's just like happening and you're just kind of observing it yourself i think that is uh I feel that. I feel that um, as a songwriter, even going back all the way to high school, I feel like the best stuff that I ever wrote that I was like capable of writing was stuff that, uh, and yeah, I'll put it in terms that people talk about a lot. Just like it was truly inspired. Like I was in a moment of true inspiration and creative flow. But because of that, the song didn't really feel like it came from me. It felt like it was channeled through me. And I feel like that was part of my, and I still feel that today of like, obviously, yes, I know that I wrote this and it wouldn't have come from anyone but me today, whatever. But it's like, yeah, but where I drew it from, I didn't sit down and think really hard about it and write it. It just fucking happened. Like I'll I'll just play a song, a new song. I'll just like play it start to finish 
like and it'll be like 80 percent formed yeah. everything's there most of the lyrics are there the main idea is there i need to just like tweak a couple things or add a couple sections or whatever but like the actual song just pour, literally pours out of you um and when it happens it's such a trip you're like well what the fuck was that how did that happen that was definitely like a core piece of my i think believing in god was having that experience in high school and not really being able to understand it or explain it yeah um and now i feel like i can in a way that's like i yeah bears no significance towards religion or whatever but at the time it was like that was its own little mini mystical experience of being like well that was fucking crazy yeah and so many songwriters speak to that experience and it has nothing to do with religion it's just that experience of being like yeah and again it's sometimes it's in language as simple as like well it just i was feeling very inspired i was feeling and i think most artists can connect to the feeling of like when you go into a creative lull and what's really behind that and for me a lot of times it's this feeling of disconnection you know disconnected to like the world around me but disconnected to myself too not tapped in and in those not tapped in moments the music that i create you know say what you want about it but at least how i feel about it i'm like it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel legit and authentic and i think it's another thing that people can hear in music authenticity always comes through dude was this music written by somebody who was fucking tapped in doesn't matter what they're saying or writing about but you can feel it you can hear it in the way that they played the notes you can hear it in like the subtleties of the melody and the rhythms and whatever and like some shit is feels truly inspired you know and it sometimes it can be so simple it can be someone singing you know a simple melody over one chord that's just being strummed on quarter notes so from a technical musical perspective it's nothing to behold at all. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It grabs people by the heart and it fucks them up. And like, that's a really interesting thing. And it's also cool though. Things like that can happen on any level. You know, you don't have to be a professional musician to tap into that for yourself. Hell no. You know, hell no. The kid in his basement, the 14 year old can tap into that right now. Yeah. Doing his thing. And I did that when I was 14. Um, yeah, that's very, it's very, uh, sweet when you're tapped into that stuff. Um, I was curious if you knew anything about the temple tax section and is that where the origins come for like churches not being able to be taxed? Hmm. Maybe something to research in the future. Yeah. I'll have to yeah, Jesus is saying that'll be my task. It's, it's calling for exemption for sure. Well, I'll, I'll spearhead that one since I brought it to the uh, to okay. the table for next next episode. Um, do you want to get into to eighteen at all? Do you have anything on eighteen? Yeah, let's dive into eighteen and then let's uh, let's wrap it there. Save divorce for next week for next week's episode. Yeah, I don't want to do divorce right now. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot there probably. Um, uh, God, I don't want to do divorce. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, I just want to call out like this first little section. Jesus is going back to uh, a teaching that I really like where he says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
Uh, and again, I think this kind of just goes back to this notion of like, like you got to tap more into the wonder and the mystery and accept that you don't fucking know anything. To me, that's like what being a child is like, you know? And by doing that, you are gaining the kingdom of heaven, meaning like you're gaining the richness of life around you, you know? That's just always there to be had. But you can't do it when you're, yeah, when you're Oof. so convinced that you fucking know. There's just, yeah, I don't know, man. It It's, it's, in, it's very crazy how dependent upon environment it is, too, though. All of that stuff. You know, elaborate like when you're when you're surrounded by a bunch of noise, it's easy, like I think it's very easy to, to be like distracted by like the crazy world around you. But if you're, you know, if you can cruise out a little bit, you know, maybe dip out to somewhere where there's a l- little less population. Sure. I feel like it makes it a little easier to, you know, tap in. I mean, yeah, I try to, to I, I've been world. pretty, pretty shit about it the last, uh, the last little bit here, um, through fall and winter, but I usually try to make it a point like once a week to like get out into nature for like a minute, like minimum, like an hour, even if it's just like forest park. Cause there is something about that that just quiets things down. And like, I think for me does instill a childlike sense of, of wonder and mystery which yeah which just helps me be better connected to everything that we're talking about this kind of intangible weird thing where you're just like well for some reason in those moments i feel more like myself i don't understand exactly why all i know is that the outcomes from those moments are definitely better than the outcomes from the moments where i don't feel connected to myself yeah i think it puts into perspective some of the uh just the nonsense that's like not necessary to uh to get your head wrapped up into sure and i don't know yeah just uh when it's when it's quiet and everything start i don't know it makes it very easy for me to see that these things are very small in the, in the uh the big world yeah you know so um this next section too just right after that where he says uh whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me um yeah i think it's i think this is sort of talking about community of like you know band together with the people the like-minded people who recognize that they don't fucking know everything because y'all have like a ton that you can weirdly teach each other and grow with each other um so don't don't shun that. Don't run from that. Like that should be embraced. Um, that being said, I'm trying to find it real quick, but I do have a, I do have a what the fuck King James moment here. What the fuck King James? What the fuck King James? So yeah, he's saying, uh, "Welcome the children. Welcome the children in my name," and then he says. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And again, it's just so metal. It's so yeah, metal. Dude, it's super metal. It's like, <laughs> dude, you're, and, and also further evidence that Jesus is like just a fucking sneaky mob boss who's like, hey, if they don't fucking accept the children, what you do 
You take the anchor, you take the millstone, you hang it around his neck, and you take him to the deep blue sea to sleep with the fishes, understand? It's not. It's a mob boss killing. He's. Yes. It's insane. Anyway, he basically whacks him. Ridiculous. What the fuck, King James? The it's it's so funny, just the effectiveness of of that that version. Yeah, I know. Like for the people that just have to go forth with that, say no. We're gonna go with this one. This is the one. Everybody's learning from this one. I know. I know. Feel the wrath. Um, I know. You have anything on the parable of the lost sheep? Um, to me, it's like a, it's just a watered down version of other parables. It's, I'm just kind of saying the same shit over and over. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not much going on there. Um, I just have stuff on the brothers sinning against you, which, which was brought up earlier. About the how many times do you forget when I was talking about how many times you forgive yourself. That kind of comes from the verse 15 of chapter 18, mm-hmm. which is if your brother sins against you, go and show him his faults just between the two of you. Um, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, you have to take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by th- by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then it goes so forth and like com- continues to like detail of how you should talk to somebody. Uh-huh. I thought this part was like pretty interesting in our current current culture of like cancel culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of like the you know not necessarily always uh, just taking someone in a room and having a one on one conversation about what, what they the may fuck happened have there done you know yeah. So I thought that was uh, a very interesting thing to kind of like look at. Well, cancel culture is really, and uh, this is how we're going to kind of round out this chapter. Is I want to talk a little bit about about shadow stuff. But cancel culture is a lot of it is rooted in people's inability to do any shadow work. I mean, look, there are people that objectively should be canceled. If you serious seriously hurt people, if you said some seriously seriously fucked up shit. And you're in the public sphere. I don't understand why you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be canceled as a person, but you should be sure as fuck canceled from the public sphere. Like, sorry, you're done. You're fucking done. That to me, that's a no brainer. But canceling someone as a person um, or canceling someone preemptively in the public sphere for something that really wasn't all that much. um, To me, it just signals like a completely unacknowledged shadow. Because if you haven't looked at your shadow, then it's really easy to just be like, and they did that, and I never would, and fuck you. Right. You know? It's the realizing you're capable of that, too. Yeah. Thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild just to, uh, I don't know, just to try to s- crucify someone in front of everyone, sure. I think is uh, sometimes pretty gnarly but uh so yeah i have a note on this uh 23 through 25 section which um i think yeah i think this is where i wanted to uh talk a little bit about the shadow this is a this is sort of a long section so i'm just gonna go for it and then yeah it's a long parable do it okay 
this is also like a, f- a fairly famous one. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to uh, repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like, yeah, you know, bucks, Bible bucks. He owed him a bag. (laughs) A sweet, sweet bag of weed. Uh, He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Uh, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured, a little intense, until he should pay back all that he owed. Uh, This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Yeah, man. I have all that noted as well. So that story to me is, I mean, obviously the context of it is a little weird and interesting with the servants and masters and whatever. But the, the basics of it is just like, yeah, this dude gets let off the hook for some bullshit that he did. And then someone does that bullshit to him and he goes, oh, no, fuck you. Yep. No compassion. <laughs> and that's fucking garbage. Zero. That's And that's an unacknowledged shadow. And I think when Jesus is saying, like, um, you know, how that guy ends up getting fucking tortured because of that. And him saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. But he's saying, like, unless you can do this fucking shadow work, like, unless you can really wrestle with your own bullshit so that you can forgive people for their bullshit in a loving and compassionate way, guess what the fuck's going to be torturing you all the time? And what I've noticed about people who love to cancel people, and again, some people are fucking worth canceling, okay? So I'm not saying that, like, you know, PC culture is bullshit, whatever. No absolutes. There's no absolutes at all. But I will say that the people, the most intense people that I know that love to fucking throw out a cancel for the smallest fucking thing, um, they're not happy about it, really. I mean, there's like some level of like self-importance and feeling better than everyone or better than the person that they're canceling, but it's torturing them. It's torturing them because they can't see the nuance. They can't see, uh, you know, they don't understand the situation really, uh, and they can't see that so much of that is just fucking chilling within themselves. And so that unacknowledged shadow is a little monster in them that's just like fucking torturing them and making them do shitty shit that they're not even acknowledging, you know, that they would be horrified to know, like, actually, the way that people thought about how you handle that situation was not good. They'd be like, wait, what? I thought I handled it great. Yeah. It's hard to look in, man. It's hard to look in. I, I struggle with it myself for sure. You know, it's but it's so important. It's so important. Uh, and especially for 
being able to understand and forgive others, I think. The weed makes me very reflective, especially smoking alone. Oh, yeah. That can be a dicey game to play. Yeah. It's not all fun games with the uh, sweet, sweet Sheba. Sometimes, I mean, just like in a similar way, psychedelics can, I think. I think that's why we can like make you face like some shit and it's, you know. For sure. And I think psychedelics, a lot of times when they're making you face some shit, it's you going toe to toe with your shadow every time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's It's a wild trip. It is a wild trip. Wrap it on 18. I think we should. Yeah, I mean, we're about two hours in right now. Yeah. yeah. I think we, we should. We did the uh, thing. I think we did the thing. We busted through a few more pages. We got through another four chapters, maybe. Yeah. We're you trying. Know. We're trying. I mean, we need the episodes <laughs> to continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, yeah. The good news for anyone listening to this who really likes it, it's not gonna end anytime soon because <laughs> we have an infinity number that we will need to cover the entire bible we just have to get through matthew and then we can you know have some people come on we can yeah dive into some other things as well for sure and get real wild imagine we'll here. be revisiting things as well something that was interesting when i was at this uh looking forward a little bit something that was interesting when i was at this funeral was reading um a lot of the readings were not from the gospel because this guy was religious right he was a he was a a serious Christian. Uh, and a lot of his favorite verses that he won't read, uh, there's some from the Old Testament, there's a couple Psalms, nothing from the Gospels. Um, and then he there was an entire chapter in Romans that he won't read. But what's interesting is like once the Gospels end, the rest of the New Testament is essentially letters from new the newest sect of Christians, you know, in the early like centuries after Christ like sending letters back and forth to each other. Like that's what these, you know, so it's not the words of Jesus. Now we move in to the interpretation of the gospel at the time, like from these other people. Um, and where, where I feel like Jesus is saying a lot of like interesting mystical shit. Like you see very early people glomming on to other meanings right away and being like, ah, oh, dude, that's not what Jesus fucking <laughs> meant when he said that what the fuck is this? <laughs> I just noticed it like right away when they were reading some of this, I, which I haven't read in a long time, you know, <laughs> like I like Psalms. I like the gospels. Like I like what Jesus said. I like the, I like some of the Psalms. I like some shit from the old Testament, but, uh, some Proverbs are cool, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, kn- I, if I remember a lot, like I feel like a lot of the rest of the, the new Testament, I always struggled with as a kid. Cause I was just like, this is some person just like fucking telling <laughs> me how to live my life. Like you fucking yeah. know, yeah. Anyways, I'm stoked to dive into it all. It's been um, real. Put all the uh, links in the episode notes so you can follow along or send us messages or whatever you want to send our way. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, I just want to say I think I, I think I've got a send off for this episode at least. You have a send off. Yeah. Send it. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't can't lose. lose. Let's go, baby. Bible buds. <laughs>